Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today we're going to continue our series called Higher Education, and we're studying familiar subjects through a divine filter. The first week of this series, we looked at the social studies of God. The second week, I expounded upon the mathematics of God. Last week, Pastor Andrew did a great job talking about the grammar of God, and today we're going to look at the geography of God, the geography of God. Have you ever tried to get a few minutes of a busy person's time? It can be frustrating because it seems like they never stop. They never stop going. They never slow down. And while your concern or your cause is on the forefront of your mind, their lack of availability will lead you to believe that they're not concerned with your life at all. They're not concerned with what you're concerned about because it feels like they're just too busy to squeeze you into their schedule. If you've never experienced this feeling before, just try calling your doctor's office and express to them how urgent it is that you get in to see the doctor. Their first reaction will not be to rush you in ahead of the, the, the rest of those that have appointments. No, their immediate schedule is most likely full, and so they're probably going to push you to the back of the line. If it is a real emergency, they'll probably try to push you towards the ER, and, and you have to think to yourself, does the doctor wish me ill? Is that what's happening? Probably not. Of course not. Uh, is there a scheme between the doctor and my spouse to cash in on the life insurance? Let's hope not. Let's hope that's not what's happening. I know that a few years ago, as our church was growing, I was faced with a dilemma. You have to understand, when our church started, we were, we were much smaller. I, there was a direct access where, actually, I mean, for the first uh, probably six, seven months, if not longer, maybe for the first 11 months to a year, I answered the phone every time you called the church. Not that I'm above answering the phone now, but I answered the phone. I also printed the bulletins and folded the bulletins and did everything. I scrubbed the toilets and vacuumed the church and everything else. You do what you have to do, right? But as our church grew, I was trying my best to keep up with that growth. And as the church grows, there's pastoral needs that grow because there's more people with more issues, more problems, more uh, you know, in need of, of pastoral care and advice. And, and so our church began to grow, and, and I was at a place where my natural tendency is to try and, and, and meet with everyone as soon as possible because you know everybody, when they call, it's always an emergency. You've got to get right in. And, and let me just, just say something about that. Okay, listen, listen close to me. There's very few times that people actually call, and it is an emergency. In, in our minds, we create this emergency scene, and, and, but, but let me say something to you, and, and this is going to sound a, a little harsh, but, but, but this is good advice. It really is. When you call, and, and it's like, I've, I've got to get in. I've got to get in right now because my marriage is falling apart. Your marriage didn't start falling apart that morning. You understand that. Why don't you go ahead and set up an appointment before it gets to that place? Don't wait till it's an emergency on your part. You go ahead and, and, and do some preventive maintenance ahead of time. Get ahead of the problem. 
so that you don't find yourself there. But, but my natural tendency was people would call and I, I just, let, let's get you in as, as quick as possible. And in return, I was killing myself and, and botching up my schedule because I wasn't good at it. I, I was really trying to please everyone and trying to cater to everyone and their schedule. And in turn, it was leaving me with, with not only a full day, but a full evening because my, my wife and kids were going to suffer because I, I couldn't be at home with them at a decent time. And so I, we had to create a new standard. And I started filtering all of my appointments through Alexis, my administrative assistant. And, and obviously, if it's a true emergency situation, that takes precedent. And so we, we, we will certainly still accommodate for that. But you can imagine, church, at first, people didn't like it. They didn't like it. They, they didn't like the, the, the new system, the new change to our culture, if you will. They, they didn't like that. And, and some people that, that came from smaller congregations, and there's, I'm not knocking that at all, but some people that came from smaller you know, church atmospheres, they, they didn't understand it. And, they, and, and, and I get that. I, I understand that completely because when our life is in crisis, nothing else matters and we don't realize that the pastor has a schedule to, to keep with, with you know, hundreds of per parishioners. And, and, and we don't see the hundreds and sometimes even thousands of patients that the doctor has to work in. Or if you're calling your mechanic and they can't see you right away. We don't realize that everybody's got car problems ahead of us. We want it like right then. And, and, and the reason why we feel this way is because humans are limited in our capacity to be all things to all people everywhere at once. We just can't do it. If we could, we would, but we can't. We're not God. Some, somebody needs to say that today. You need to say, I am not God. Am not God. Say it. Say, I'm not, I'm not God. Those are three of the most freeing words that you'll say all day. I'm not God. And I don't have to act like God. I have to act like Christ, but I don't have to act like God. I don't have to be all things to all people everywhere I go all the time. It just, it's beyond our ability. And it's easy for this mindset of feeling like we're neglected, feeling like someone doesn't have time for us. It's easy for that mindset to carry over into our relationship with God because we, we cannot see our God with our physical eyes, it leaves us wondering sometimes, where is God? Some of you have asked that question this week. Where is God? Where is his geography? Where is he located at? Especially when we are struggling, when we are suffering, when we're fearful. It, it, it doesn't take but, but just to turn on the news just for a moment. Just go to your favorite news website if you have a favorite news website. But if, if you do, just, you just click on that website just for a moment, and suddenly you'll find yourself asking the question, where's God in the middle of all this chaos? Where's God in the middle of all these world problems that we're facing right now? One time this little girl came home from church, and her mom asked her, what did you learn in children's church today? And the little girl, she replied, she said, we learned that God is omnipresent, and the mom smiled and knowing that there was no way that her daughter could possibly comprehend such a complicated subject, the mom asked, she said, and what exactly is the omnipresence of God? The little girl squared her shoulders back and she said, it means there ain't no place that God ain't. There ain't no place that God ain't. 
horrible English. But I don't know if we could describe the omnipresence of God any better than that little girl did. There ain't no place that God ain't. Our God is omnipresent. We talk about the geography of God, and when we do, we we, we must develop this healthy understanding and theology of where God is at all times. And I'm just going to tell you, in this series, this is probably the most theological that we're going to get in this series because I think it's just important for you to have a good, healthy understanding of where God is at in the middle of all this. Where is he? So today I want to start in Psalm 139. Psalm 139, I want to read verses 1 through 12 of Psalm 139 as David explains to us the presence of God. Where is God located? Where's the geography of God? Psalm 139, verses 1 through 12. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far, far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Church, this gives me so much hope today. Think about it. In the deepest, darkest corners of our lives, when it feels like there is no light to be found, God has no problem seeing you. That in the deepest, darkest moments that you will face, whatever circumstance may come, God's not scrambling around looking for a flashlight so that he can find you. No, God knows exactly where you are at. He knows your location. He's got his GPS coordinates locked in on you. He has not lost track of you. And God knows exactly where you are at, no matter how dark it may seem in your eyes, no matter how dark it is in your life, God knows exactly where you are at. I think it's important for me to point out that the psalmist was not questioning the presence of God. Some people read this and and they read it as him questioning it. It's not. He's not. He was acknowledging that there is nowhere that he could go that God was not there. God was with him wherever he goes, when he wakes up, when he lays down. God is there with him. God has, has many attributes, but, but, but there are three that solidify God's sovereignty. And, and what I mean by God's sovereignty is this. That means that he is in complete and total control. And that's hard for some of us to comprehend right now because of the shape the world is in. It's hard for us to look at the world and, and think that God still has control over this. 
And I hope that somehow, some way, that something I will say today will help you understand that God has not lost control, that God is still sovereign, that God is still in control, and we may look through our finite eyes and and, and our, our mindset, and we may think that God has forsaken us and God has forgotten us, but, but we have to understand that God is sovereign. He is completely and totally in control. The three attributes that we give to God or, or that are, are claimed by God, as, as I should say, that, that make him sovereign are this. First of all, God is omnipotent. God is omnipotent. That means God is all-powerful, that there is nothing that God cannot do. How many of you agree with me today? There's nothing God cannot do, amen? The second attribute is that God is omniscient. That means God is all-knowing, that there is absolutely nothing. There is no knowledge at all that is as ever been hidden from him he he understands it all he knows the past he knows the present god knows the future god is omniscient he is all-knowing when when our twins caleb and kendall when they were young mandy had them convinced that she had eyes in the back of their head and back of her head that she had eyes to see them with have any of you moms used this, this this trick some of you are ashamed to raise your hands right now because, you know, it's just a lie. You know, it is. But, but it is a mother's intuition, right? There's truth to that. I'm convinced of that. Mom knew when I was up to no good before anybody else did. So, sometimes I think God got his information from mom. Like, no. Mandy had Caleb and Kendall convinced that she had eyes in the back of her head. And, and it would weird them out, man. They were creeped out by this. And, and so, I mean, this started when they were real little, like in car seats. And they would be in the back seat of the car. And Mandy didn't even have to turn around. She, she would just say, sensing that they were up to something, she would say, I know what you're doing. I can see you. I have eyes in the back of my head. And they would be like, oh, mom, stop. Ah, that's weird. Stop, stop. But they, they would straighten up. She could be in the kitchen cooking with her back to the living room, sensing that something wasn't quite right in the living room, she would say, I see you, which is a lie, but she said, I would see you, I see you, I know what you're up to, and they would straighten up, and they would be like, oh, that's weird, that's strange. I'm convinced that they still believe that their mom has, they're, they're almost 24 years old, they still believe mom, because mom knows, mom just knows, it's that mother's intuition, she knows. The third attribute, is really what I want to focus on today, is that God is omnipresent. God is omnipresent. He is, he is all present. He is everywhere at once. That there's not a corner of the universe, and even beyond, that he does not exist in. For educational purposes, I feel the need to clarify what God is not. And for some of you, you've bought into this, and it's innocent, it's innocent, it's, there's no worship involved with, with this uh, uh, mindset, but, but I need to correct something for you, because there are some people that believe that God is in everything and in everyone, that the universe is just a manifestation of God, that the carpet that we walk on, it's God, that this podium that I hold on to, that, that it is God, that this iPad is, is God. 
It's like if you pick up a rock, that rock is God. If you look at a tree, that tree is God. If you're standing before a mountain, that mountain is God. That the universe is God. That you are God. That I am God. The family dog is God. And you've never met Cece. She thinks she's God, but she is not God. Just with one bark, she rules the house, but she's not God. That all living and non-living things, they are God. And this belief is called pantheism, and, and the term is derived from two Greek words, the first one being pan, which means all, and the second one being theos, which means God. And, and, and so pantheism states that God is found in all things, that nothing exists outside of God, and that God connects all things. Stay with me. The problem with this is that it is in direct opposition to Scripture. Please hear me. Genesis 1 and 1. Let's, let's go back. Next week we're talking about the history of God, but, but, but let me take us back in history just for a moment. Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He is the creator. The heavens and the earth is his creation. Nehemiah 9 and 6. You alone are the Lord. You made the skies and the heavens and all the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You preserved them all, and the angels of heaven worship you. Think about that statement. The angels in heaven worship you. Why would they worship him? Because if angels were, were God, as everything would be God, they would simply just be worshiping themselves. Revelation 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 11. Worthy are you our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. So we acknowledge that God created everything but be careful before you buy into pantheism because pantheism would eventually lead you to believe that you should master your ignorance because you are God. Thus you become God. And there's a danger with this this type of theology because this, this is completely, completely against the word of God and, it, and there's no support for that. And as Christians, we know that we are not God and that God alone is the highest power, amen? We know that God alone is the highest power, that God alone is omnipotent, he is all-powerful, that God alone is omniscient, he is all-knowing, and that God alone is omnipresent, he is everywhere all at once, not in everything, he is everywhere all at once. You can pick up that rock and throw it, and God is still there. You can cut down the tree, but God is still there. You can scale the highest mountain, and God is still there, and even higher and beyond. He is in your known, and God is in your unknown. God is just everywhere. Listen to what God said in Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 23 and 24. He said, am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord. Church, our God is omnipresent. If you are wondering where God is, he is there and he is here. And God, now this is where it just gets so confusing for me. And, and, and I pray God, try, try to help me convey this. But God is not bound by, by geographical location. God is not bound by space and time. No, he transcends space and time. 
he is present in your past. Right now, right now, get this. God is present in your past. God is present in your now. And God is present in your future. God is working in your past to create a testimony for you and you don't even know it. God is working in your now, in your present right now, and God is already working in your future, and he's in all those places at the same time, and we cannot comprehend that, and we cannot understand that. And, and if the enemy, if the enemy, and he will, if he gets into your thought process and he begins to, to help you transcend time and space with your thoughts and you find yourself somehow stuck in your past, be reassured today that your God is in your past and he is working all things out for your good. He's there and he's here and he's there. God is everywhere at once. And the truth is, there is nowhere that you can go to get away from God. And and I guess that's kind of the the pros and the cons of this thing, right? Like, when we're in trouble, we're glad to know God is there. But when we want to get in trouble, like we're making choices to do the wrong thing, we don't want God to be there. But he's there. You can't hide from God. God said, is there anywhere a man can go? That he can hide from me? And so the truth is, you cannot go anywhere to get away from God because he is already there. Physically, you can't go anywhere to get away from God. Mentally, you can't go anywhere to get away from God. And spiritually, you can't not go anywhere to get away from God. And a true understanding of this theology will cause a person to alter how they live their lives. When a person comes to understand the presence of God in their life, it will alter how they live. Some of you will change the way that you live your life today simply because of of the revelation that God is omnipresent, that, that you can't do anything to get away from him, and it will change. When you develop an awareness of the presence of God, it will affect every single thing that you do in life. When you're aware, you will not approach your vocation the same way. You'll go to that job and you'll do all things to the glory of God. You'll work as if you're working for God and not man when you understand that you're in the presence of God. You will not treat your spouse the same way. You'll talk a little kinder. You'll be a little bit more understanding. You'll extend more grace and mercy which I'll say it again, I said it at our marriage conference and I'll continue repeating this, there's not a better opportunity for you to exemplify Jesus than in marriage, extending grace and mercy. When you understand the presence of God and you know that he is everywhere all at once, it will cause you to parent differently because you want to make sure that you're leading those children that that he has placed in your home, you want to make sure that you're leading them in a godly way. It'll cause you to socialize differently. You don't want me to stay there, do you? I'll I'll move on. I won't stay there. The conviction of the Holy Spirit's hitting you right now so hard. It'll cause you to socialize differently. It will cause you, when you understand the presence of God, and that he's right there with you at that keyboard looking at that monitor 
it will cause you not only to surf the net differently, it will cause you to social media differently. You won't have as much courage behind that keyboard to say whatever's on your mind when you realize the presence of God is right there with you. You will not reason the same way. You will not believe or disbelieve the same way. Because the awareness of God that he is here now, it will change the way you live. Where can I go that you're not already there? For those of you that started attending DCC over the last three or four years, you were not here to witness a very broken season in my life. And for some of you, you're not going to get it. Some of you are experiencing this right now. But just this past week, I was reminded of a significant event and season in our family's history that rocked me, and I, I was not prepared. I thought I was, but I wasn't. Five years ago, we dropped our daughter, Kendall, off at, at college for her to live without us for the first time in her life. She had never lived apart from us, outside of our home. And as prepared as I thought I was, and it broke me. If you were here during that time, you, you, you'll remember. I, I started carrying a handkerchief. Now I know why old men carry handkerchiefs. They drop their kids off at college. That's why. I started carrying a handkerchief because at any moment, at any moment, at any time of the day, you can ask my family, you, 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 some, so many of you, you know I was an emotional mess. I couldn't get in the pulpit without crying. I'm a crier anyway. Imagine when I'm already emotionally just exhausted. And I, just any and everything, at any moment, somebody could ask me about Kendall and how she was doing, especially that first six months, when I knew she was lonely and she, she I mean, she was homesick and, and I just wanted to go get her. I just wanted to go get her and bring her home and, and I, I would just cry drop of a hat, I would cry, and, and something happened. God challenged me during, during those, those days, and I committed that every day, every morning, and one of the first things I was going to do was that I was going to pray for my wife and for my children. I, I'm not telling you that I don't whisper a prayer every day and you know, for my, for my family. I, that, that's something I think I've, I've done for years, but, but this was very intentional. That I was going to intentionally carve out time every morning to pray for my wife and for my children. And if I'm honest with you, while, while Kendall, especially when she first left for college, if I'm honest with you, my prayer went something like this. It was like, dear Lord, you know, keep Mandy and Caleb safe, but Lord, let me talk to you about Kendall. Like, I mentioned them in prayer, but I focused on Kendall. She was seven hours from home, and I was just, I was heartbroken over it. I wanted her there, but. And during that time when I was praying for my daughter, 
It took, it took a while. God worked on me. But during that time, one morning, I was praying and God directed me to look at the sunrise as the sun was rising above the trees in the east. And God spoke to my spirit and he assured me that the same sun that rises on me rises on her. And then he showed me that there was nowhere that she would go that he was not with her. That there is not one place, that, that right there in Cleveland, Tennessee, God was with her. And wherever she went, he was with her. That's why when the time came for her to take a mission trip through the school that she was at and go to where, Cambodia, Thailand, Thailand. See, I didn't even care. I was like, <laughs> I had no worries at all. By the time that came around, for her to go to Thailand, I, I didn't even care. I was like, have fun. Ride elephants. I don't care. Have fun. Because God showed me that wherever she would go, he was already there. And what's greater than daddy's hand of protection? The father's hand of protection. It's always greater. I will never be able to love her more than he loves her. And I know where some of your minds are going to. I, I, I do. I get it. Where's God in the crisis? Where's God with COVID? Where is he? We, we thought we were getting past this thing, didn't we? In the past few weeks, this thing has come back with a vengeance. It's made believers out of some of us that, that we, we didn't really buy in before, but now we're seeing it's hitting close to home. I made it a point for our anniversary trip to Hawaii, I made it a point to truly disconnect, and I did. My wife will tell you I did. Probably for the first time in 25 years, I, I truly disconnected. But on the day that we would start traveling home, I woke up that morning and Mandy looked at me and she said, Anthony died. This friend I've known for 25 years pastor friend a perfect body of health matter of fact he's he's a weightlifter like a bodybuilder ripped thick I didn't even know he was in the hospital and COVID killed him I get home the next evening, because it was like a two-day event traveling home. And I get home. I was tired. Jet lag. I'm already feeling that morning of my friend's death. And right before I went to bed, I know better than this, but right before I went to bed, I opened up Facebook. And one of my old high school classmates was informing the world that one of our friends that I went to high school with, that she died of COVID that day. And it was a hard reality check, because I can tell you this, Hawaii was great, but when you come back to the real world, the crisis is still there. And it causes us to say, God, where are you? 
where's your geography at right now, God? Where are you? What's your location? Because you don't seem like you're anywhere to be found. When there's an earthquake in Haiti and innocent people are killed. God, where are you? When innocent people and Christians are being persecuted by terrorists, by the Taliban in Afghanistan. It causes us to say, God, where are you in the middle of all of this mess? We can't see you. Where are you? And if you're like me, you're hurt and you're angry and you're confused and, and, and you're just going, God, where, where are you? And God reminds me this week in Acts chapter 7 about a young man, a young leader in the early church by the name of Stephen. And Stephen stands up in front of this religious crowd that think that they know it all. And he stands up and he begins to preach. And man, he takes them back through history, through the Jewish history. He brings them up to, to the time of Christ and that Christ was crucified and, and that they were responsible for his death. He talks about his resurrection, but, but he says something in verse 49 that just stands out to me. As he quotes the Old Testament and he says, God... Heaven is his throne, and the earth is his footstool. In other words, God is there and he is here. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere all at once, and it does include that the earth is his footstool. He's here. His presence is here. And this crowd gets so angry with him that they determine to stone him to death. Verse 54 of Acts 7 says, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And it caused me to think. In our finite minds, we cannot comprehend eternity. Because all that we know is what we know. The only thing that we've experienced, church, we've watched people, babies, take their first breath here. And somewhere along the way, we see someone take their last breath. And that is the extent of our knowledge because we have not glimpsed into eternity yet. This life, the Bible says, is but yet a vapor. That's it. It's just a moment in time. It's just a moment of eternity. And when we see the tragedies that we have to witness, when we see innocent people dying and hurting and being persecuted, we don't realize that to God, the Bible says 
precious is in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious. I don't pretend to have God figured out. But I know this, that when one of his saints dies, it's just the beginning. This is not the end. And, and I'm always hesitant to say something like this because this is that moment that you know, makes the news. Pastor stands up in front of church and says, if I don't live to see tomorrow, if I drop dead today, and then all of a sudden he drops dead. And I'm like, oh, do you say it? You know, Church, listen to me. If, if I don't live to see tomorrow, you know this, that when I open my eyes, I'm opening my eyes in a greater reality than this will ever be. But my God, in the middle of all this chaos, he promised me that he would be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He promised me that he would never leave me nor forsake me, that he would be here with me. That whoever it is that you know right now that's in an ICU struggling with COVID, that he's right there with them right now. He's with them. The reports I read last night, that at a, around 11, a, 11 p.m. last night, when we were getting ready to go to bed, lay our heads down, that the Christians gathering in Afghanistan were most likely going to worship God for the last time. And they would be given their lives for the cause of Christ. He's right there with them right now. He has not left them. He has not forsaken them. And we may not get it. And we may see it as an injustice. And it is. But God says, I will not leave you alone in this. In this world, you will have problems. There will be troubles. But I'm going to be right there with you. Every step of the way, I will not leave you. Humanity could not grasp this. We could not. Even though the psalmist, hundreds of years before Christ, wrote what he did about the presence of God, we couldn't understand it. And so what did he do? He became Emmanuel, God with us. And, and God's son, God the son, came to be with us here in flesh and when he ascended to heaven, he made us a promise that not only would God be with us, but the power of God would be in us, that he would send the Holy Spirit to be in us. Man. The presence of God. He's here right now. He's with you right now. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.